Welcome to Animals in Europe, a podcast presented by Eurogroup for Animals, the animal advocacy organization uniting members across Europe and beyond. Join us as we discuss current affairs affecting animals along with expert special guests. Hello and welcome to the podcast. And as I'm sure you've just been able to tell from the outset, this is not your usual host, Reinika Hamelier's. But instead today, it's one of her colleagues, me, Joe Moran. I'm the political affairs manager at Eurogroup for Animals. And for one episode only, I will try and fill Reinecker's sizable shoes. But what an episode it is, as today we are interviewing the recently elected president of the European Parliament's Intergroup on the Welfare and Conservation of Animals, Tilly Metz, MEP. Now, Tilly was up until recently also the chair of a unique committee of inquiry that was established by the European Parliament to look into the current state of play on the enforcement of rules on the live transportation of animals and crucially to make recommendations about where we go next on this subject. So I think it's very important we keep on the pressure and therefore, you know, the politicians are, are nothing without the pressure of the citizens. And even the most conservative will change his opinion if he sees that there is a massive uh, demand coming from the citizens. So, Tilly, thank you ever so much indeed for joining us. Um, we know we've, we've had you on here before, but I should also say congratulations, first of all. This is the first time you've been on the podcast since you've been elected president of the Intergroup. Oh, hello. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and obviously you're a, you're a long-time animal welfare campaigner and an advocate. Perhaps you can just start off by telling us a little bit about what animals mean to you. Oh, animals are important to me as long as... As I can look back in my life, it was always important. Uh, as a child, I, I loved to be in the garden and observe the animals. Uh, I always wanted to have a dog. My mother did not want, so as soon as I lived on my own, I, I got also dogs. And But uh, when I was working to school, you know, I was taking up the worms from the street because I was afraid that they were, were run over by the cars. So especially when it was raining, there were a lot of them. So for me, animals, I, I've always been defending. And I must say, honestly, to do politics is also because of the strong wish to improve the conditions for the animals on the world. So it's my, one of my priorities in politics, for sure. Well, I mean, animal transport, turning to specifically, um, it's been one of the longest and most difficult questions facing our movement at least, and um, Eurogroup for Animals was founded back in 1980 precisely to really tackle this issue. Can you tell us a little bit about what the issue animal transport specifically means to you and what your own vision is for the future of live transport? Yeah, first of all, I'm, I mean, everybody is concerned by the animal transport. As, as soon as you are on the road or you're traveling somewhere on the road, you see those big trucks with animals. Most of the people don't like to look at it. But now, especially during chair of uh, the inquiry committee, of course, uh, we took a very strong look at all those trucks. So everybody is concerned. And it's really a matter about how, how we treat animals. And it's also a matter and only a symptom of our 
full uh, food supply chain. So indeed, everybody is concerned. And um, it's really horrible to see the conditions of the animal transport. And I must say, even on the ground, I never saw a transport where everything where you could say, oh, that that's okay, that's fine. No, it's not okay. It's not fine. They they, they have not a lot of place. They they have not access to the to the drinking system, or the drinking system is not functioning. I'm not speaking about temperatures too high, too low, and the transport being much too long. And you see very young animals being transported. So a lot a lot of cruelty for millions of animals indeed well i mean if we can just start as well by by saying uh, how pleased we were with the fact that you chaired the committee and also um give you a lot of credit for all of the effort that you put into it we understand that it was not a an easy process um the resolution that came out of it was i think uh, had a mixed reviews if i can put it like that in the public sphere and the the recommendations were a, a compromise how did you how did you feel about the, the the final the final resolution that was adopted by the parliament well, of course, uh, yeah, for me, of course, it could have been, uh, you knowing my, know my position. So for me, it could have been much more ambitious, uh, especially regarding transport times for all the animals that it should have been reduced to a maximum of eight hours and not only for the slaughter animals. Um, also regarding the export, I think the, the, the what we decided now, what is now in the recommendation regarding the exports, um, there is indeed written that we should not uh, make exports to countries that don't have the same animal welfare standards that we have and that they should then be put like on a, on a white list. But then there is an addition to this sentence that says, and for all the other countries, there we have to analyze if export is possible. And for me, that opens the door a bit for, for loopholes. So in the first sentence, I could have lived with, uh, even though <laughs> I'm dreaming of a, a world where we don't export live animals at all outside of the EU. But you know, regarding animal welfare issues as a politicians, I know that I have to be patient and step by step and take the different stakeholders on the board. So that's, but coming back to the topic, that's for the export, I would have preferred stronger rules. Also regarding the unweaned um, animals, where we have a good text uh, regarding unweaned calves, but not uh, there, we don't speak about unweaned sheeps, uh, for example. So for the unweaned calves, they are not allowed to be transported um, a maximum only to 50 kilometers. So that is that is good, it is a, a serious progress. But what about the other unweaned animals? And also regarding pregnant animals, I would have preferred also there a strong regulation so that they are not allowed to be transported when they are two thirds of their pregnancy. Um, but now this uh, is also not happening. This remains um, uh, unchanged, right? So like it is now, so they can be transported longer than two thirds of, uh, of pregnancy. And that's something I, 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 well, it could have been stronger, let's say. It could have been more ambitious. But if you say we have um, a maximum of eight-hour transport for the slaughter animals, let's, that is 80% of the transport is slaughter animals. So at the end of the day, um, we have some progress also regarding um, that you need to have a EU certification regarding the vessels, that we need more harmonization, also more harm 
harmonized uh, sanctions throughout the EU. Um, so there are good things in it that the exports are question questioned and that there should be stronger rules, as I said them uh, before. But on the other hand, it could have been more ambitious uh, for, for sure. Yes, but it is nevertheless um, uh, now a paper recommendations where we can work with and especially the report there everybody even the most conservatives uh, person agreed on to say that we have a lot of systematic infringement so that it's not only uh, uh, isolation facts but it there's systematic infringements uh, already of the regulation from 2005 and everybody agreed also that there has to be new uh, rules now that there has to be a revision of this regulation regarding the transport of animals that um, is out of 2005 so there is also the wish that things are changing coming from all the side now the concrete recommendation could have been more ambitious nevertheless at the end of the day this is already a progress step by step as i always said and there is a clear call at different places at the recommendation to shift to more transport of carcasses and meat so that's also good that we have this in the recommendations and that's something that obviously we've been calling for now for as Eurogroup for animals for a long time but mm. i can hear there in in your answer um some degree of frustration perhaps that 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 it, overall the, the the final recommendations weren't more ambitious and you no doubt have have heard that some degree of criticism from the animal welfare movement but also mm -hmm. from farmers um i mean the other side have also criticized the out the the, the final result uh, whilst everyone knows that compromise is is fundamental and and, and is, is 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 how brussels works a lot was this in your view, something of a missed opportunity, or are we perhaps in the animal welfare movement um, guilty of letting perfection be the enemy of the good? <laughs> um, in, in some ways, yes, it's a bit of a missed opportunity, but I know that the old the animal defenders uh, fought as, as hard as possible, but indeed you, you analyzed it very good. Uh, the European Parliament and, and, and democracy is about to find compromises. And some people forgot sometimes uh, that here, that was the first uh, inquiry committee that was 100% um, destined to uh, improve the animal welfare. So I, I agree, you have to have the different stakeholders around the tables, the companies, the farmers. But here, the main mission that we had is really to improve the situation for the animals. So that's the first time that we had such an inquiry committee only uh, destined uh, with the mission to, to speak about the animal welfare. But <laughs> to your question, uh, uh, perfection, the enemy of the good, uh, no, I think everybody has his or her role to play. And I must say, honestly, if the NGOs, the, 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 the animals associations, uh, civil society would not have been pushing so much and uh, also putting pressure, this inquiry committee would never have seen the day, the, 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 day, uh, the, the light of the day. So, no, I think everybody has to play his role. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that um, the NGOs are pushing and are, are making pressure. Um, of course, afterwards, there is the risk to be 
even more disempowered because they are they are fighting with so much um, ambition and so much emotion and and and, and everything. So. I, I do also understand that they hope for the maximum. and But as I say, everybody has to play its role. And for me, I must say honestly, sometimes it was hard as chair to, to try to be... Um, I always said I want to make a, a fair and deep analysis, analyzing also the, the responsibilities, etc. But I, I got also sometimes impatient and nervous and, as you say, a bit frustrated that things do not advance quicker, especially all those members, a lot of them saw the reality, not only on pictures, not only to the experts, but went with us on the ground. And nevertheless, they were not really uh, wanting, or some of them don't want too much change, or only very step-by-step -step change, and also always put at the end of the day, that so much animal are suffering so much is it's a thing of, of of money, of profit making. Let's be honest. Sir. So and and so it was sometimes hard also to to be not more <laughs> show not more my my frustration or even anger sometimes. But um, no, I'm I'm as I say, I'm I'm grateful that that we have. Uh, this excellent report where we agree that there are a lot of infringements. Model recommendation is a basis uh, to work with, but with clear ambitions to do even better now regarding the legislative text, which then is going to be binding, mandatory. So here there are just recommendations. So it's okay that they are formulated more in a large way. But now, for me, the next fight is that we have a strong legislation now. I think you've just put your finger on it as well, which is that this has to act as a a basis. It's it's not a final outcome, and uh, the commission can use a lot of what's in there, but doesn't have to use everything. So um, it's a it's a general signal. But I, I think that also quite a lot of the stakeholders in Brussels have recently recognised that at least a good portion of the member states are perhaps um, currently even more ambitious in some regards than than uh, the European Parliament as a whole. Of course, the Commission doesn't expect to adopt its its proposal um, on this until late 2023. And that means that the legislative scrutiny and amendments will inevitably fall to the next European Parliament rather than this one. What challenges, given what you've gone through as, as chair of the committee, or opportunities can you see with this being left to a future parliament? Yeah, but I don't know if you followed uh, or had the opportunity to follow my speech. I, I clearly asked the Commission to come with a com proposal of this revision of the of this regulation in the beginning of 2023, because in my eyes, we have now uh, members of the European Parliament who have some expertise on this subject. And um, yeah, and I don't want to delay to get bigger, you know, if we have the elections between, we're also losing a lot of time. So for me, it would be good that we push and that we put pressure that the, the commission comes earlier 
with this revision. But uh, opportunities, <laughs> yeah, the situation would be different if the, <laughs> I say it for clear, if the Greens or, or the left uh, would have more percentage, more elected people in the European Parliament. If we have less conservative and less le liberals, uh, it's clear that uh, <laughs> the majorities uh, might, might uh, shift again in the next term. So, and I'm hoping, of course, we saw already a serious shift from the last European Parliament and the one that we have in this legislative period, because uh, this inquiry committee did not pass the, the last um, European Parliament. So I think already we have a shift to more, um, to better protection of animals or more sen sensitivity and awareness uh, in the members of the Parliament now. So if I'm optimistic, then it's the only thing I would see on positive. Maybe then we shift even to more, have more more, I say now, more green politicians or more politicians that are even more aware of animal protection. But they could also go into the other di direction. So that would be catastrophe. So it's risky business. I would prefer that we have something before the end of this uh, legislative period, I must say. Yeah, and I can understand that from your perspective, particularly having gone through all of this work so far. But I mean, we were, I think, amazed um, to the to the degree to which some members of the parliament seem to, if I can say, swallow some of the traditional arguments that have been peddled by the industry here. Um, the fact that the number of reforms to life transport that have been tried and have failed because of certain uh, key developments that haven't been moved forward, notably on live exports. Um, and there was the famous, the famous quote um, that's always attributed, I think incorrectly, to Albert Einstein of um, doing the same thing over and over again um, and expecting a different result uh, constitutes madness. And um, I, I, I just worry that perhaps some of the members of the, the committee um, had, had fallen into, in, into that trap. But interesting to still to, to, to hear what you say on the potentially the pitfalls of, 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 of leaving it to a, a future parliament. However, if you could, if we could go back to that first ever meeting of the, the committee, right the way back to when you took the chair, is there something that you might have done differently through the process? Or can you see aspects now where you look back and think, ah, if maybe if I'd only um, done this or, or pushed that more, we might have ended up with something more ambitious? Mm, that's a good question. I was already, you look always back when you had such an important uh, position, you always look back what, what would have changed. Um, in general, I don't really have regrets because I think that the hearings that we had and that we really tried to always have different experts um, from all sides so that really to understand the different point of views and issues and because I'm completely aware I'm, I'm realistic every change makes people be afraid they have fear if you say we're going to change the system now and that's what I want at the end of the day so uh, that people are afraid um, and, it, and and it's really um, how do you say that a xylotans? I don't know. It's like working on a on a it, it, it's on a very thin um, place. It, it's to have the people on board because if you want change, if you want to have change, you have to have the, the different stakeholders supporting you. And that's that's that was quite difficult always to have also to listen to the different uh, stakeholders. So in order to have at the end of the day a change coming. 
maybe I was wondering maybe if we could have started a little bit later um, then we could have had more missions because I think that is the most what what people really when they whether you can raise the maximum of awareness is, is when you go onto the ground when when do people see the suffering really of the animals but then again the whole work would have been delayed so I don't know um, I don't know yeah right now I don't think maybe maybe I could have but as a chair that is also difficult you know you, as I said before you need to be quite neutral as long as I've been chair but maybe you know a lot of the European Parliament is done by, by networking and we tried of course to explain our position I'm speaking now our our green position and um, sometimes because we missed those amendments there were not for yeah not, not so many voices uh, missing so I don't know if it would have made the change um, if we uh, have asked more to the NGOs to come and demonstrate in front of the parliament. I don't know. But as I say, for me, share, I, I could not have done it directly. But um, yeah, so that's our questions, maybe. Yeah, but it's difficult to say. But in general, I think I, I did really my very best. Uh, so I don't have now big regrets, I must say. Good. And I, I mean, from a personal perspective, I, I don't think you'd have any reasons to have uh, to have them at all um and certainly your uh, uh, your speech in the parliament um I, I will i will think i'll always remember it was it was brilliantly forthright and also ambitious uh and um yeah we we only we only hope that some of the others heed that that ambition and follow suit when a future proposal comes forward but let's just peer into the future if we can um get our little crystal balls out and imagine now that the new transport regulation comes out, as the Commission, let's say, expects in 2023, that the next Parliament and the Council go through their deliberations. Realistically, we're looking probably at 2026 by the time it's adopted, let's say 2028 by the time that the new rules actually come into application. What will animal transport look like in Europe? Hand on heart, will there be live exports, for example? Uh, first of all, let me say that you are quite pessimistic regarding the timeline. I, I hope that it would come earlier, all that. So I, I really hope that we final, finalise the revision in, still in 2024. But uh, that's just to the timeline. But uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, regarding the exports, yeah, I, I really hope that we won't have no more exports to far off countries or, or countries where we don't have the guarantees on how the animals are treated. So some exports I can imagine still to Switzerland, Norway, the UK, but please no export to far away countries. Um, uh, sorry that that yeah. So but that is my very optimistic view. I, I would dream also of a drastic reduction of the uh, general number of transports and the number of animals because I'm persuaded for the environment, and not only I am, but a lot of scientists are saying the same, uh, we need to, to, to eat less animal products and we need to shift away from this animal-intensive um, um, farming. Uh, yeah, so for me, that would also 
be something in the future and that would be better for the environment, for the human health, and of course for millions of animals if we have this reduction of the number of uh, transport of live animals and of animals. And then no transport of all of any unweaned or other vulnerable animals. And, and if we transport animal products, then please shift to meat and cockers or genetic material for exports for the breeding animals when it is then really necessary because there's for years and years that we are transporting animals for breeding reasons. So at the end, at one moment, we must see where are those herds. So they must exist and that has to be controlled if it is really for breeding or not. So <laughs> that's a little bit, I, that's the future at least I'm, I'm pushing for. And also we have to have clearer uh, um, a center, centralization also of the authorization and certification at the EU level and also more controls and as I said at the beginning also better harmonization between member states especially as I said regarding controls and sanctions so yeah that's how I see the future and that is what I'm what I'm fighting for differently. Well we're both fighting for the same cause and um and it's it's great to hear your not only I say passion again, but also your uh, your ambition and expectations. And I I I think we can both take heart that there we've still got what uh, at least several months before uh, the commission comes out with something. And I'm sure that together and with other supporters as well, we can uh, we can fight for the best proposal possible from from the commission. No, I just wanted to say that's why it is important to keep the, the topic on the agenda. That's why we have to keep on to put pressure, to inform, to uh, yeah, to raise the awareness. Because while we are speaking, these horrible um, transports are going on to, to ships, to trucks, to planes even. So, um, yeah, so I think it's very important we keep on the pressure. And therefore, you know, the politicians are nothing without pressure of the citizens. And even the most conservative will change his opinion if he sees that there is massive uh, demand coming from the citizens. And it's also something regarding the credibility of the European institutions, you know. This is something where the EU has competences. So let's do something and let's show the European citizens, okay, you want change there? We bring change there and we don't uh, lose any more time. But of course, there is a whole uh, common agriculture behind it. So this common agriculture policy has also to change. But let's do it. Thank you again, I say, for, for, for I think, an, an uplifting interview with us. Um, <laughs> Tilly Metz, president, I can now say, of the Animal Welfare Intergroup. I'm sure we will uh, we'll be in touch um, and you'll be on back on this podcast before too long. But for now, I, I just will finish by saying again, thank you for your thank time. You. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your work. So that's all we have time for today. But big thanks again to Tilly Metz MEP for having joined us. And we can only encourage you if you have any more questions or queries on this subject to go to Eurogroup for Animals website where you will find lots of material on live transport, including reactions to the, the votes that we've just been talking about from January and also continued coverage and news on events as we move forward to the publication of that new legislative proposal from the European Commission in 2023. 
I'm sure that Reineke will be back behind this microphone for the next episode, um, but it's been an utter pleasure for me being able to do this today. I hope you've enjoyed it, and many thanks, as always, for listening. Thanks for listening to Animals in Europe. You can find our podcast catalogue on our website, eurogroupforanimals.org. You can also subscribe to the Animals in Europe podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Join us next time as we build together a Europe that cares for animals.